everyone, it's Carol, and welcome to Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next in every episode. I'm here to help all kinds of retail-focused companies cut through all the noise through interviews with industry experts and by tracking my latest retail trajectories. These are themes I'm constantly creating, connecting, and mapping across categories, borders, business models, and touch points so you can do something about it. If you've listened to the show before, you know I'm a real retail history buff. But more than anything, I just think it's important to have historical context to fully understand what's happening now. And this is definitely true when it comes to making sense of a string of retail bankruptcies and attempted reinventions that have happened recently and go much further back. But like most things in retail, the reasons are complicated. Even so, a thread runs through and one truth ties it all together. Category killing was a great model until it wasn't. So let's jump in the Wayback Machine and unpack it. Brick and mortar got really fun and interesting in the 80s. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about the fact that e-commerce really didn't get rolling until the mid-90s. You could even say the 80s were one last hurrah of physical retail before the digital floodgates opened. But a new type of retail chain started to emerge in the 80s that played a really big role in that. Category killers. You could even say that they were a precursor to the online marketplaces that are everywhere now because they offered every size, style, and color of a product imaginable all in one place and at reduced prices. Now, Walmart and Target were already well-established in the 80s, but the category killers operated in a sweet spot. They were bigger than a specialty store, but smaller than a Walmart superstore. But they were just big enough to make large-volume purchases that kept prices down. So category killers like Toys R Us, Blockbuster, and Bed Bath & Beyond, they were popping up at strip malls all over the country. And consumers ate it up because these retailers were also in a sweet spot in a very zeitgeisty way. Suburbs were expanding, and most consumers weren't fretting about the environmental impact of their purchases just yet. You add to that the improvements in global supply chains, virtual communication, and computing capabilities, and all of it got egged on. Cool products and mass quantities were much easier to come by for retailers in the 80s. But as much as everybody likes to blame Walmart for the death of mom-and-pop stores, category killers also really hammered in the nails in the 80s. And they had a good run until retail karma came knocking. Because the same opportunistic attack strategy that propelled category killers into brick-and-mortar infamy came right back to bite them in the 90s as Amazon stole their secret sauce and spread it all over the place. Walmart, Target, and dollar stores were able to cherry-pick the best in every category and just leave the rest behind. They weren't burdened by living up to a model that demanded category depth, no matter how slowly some of the goods sold. So sourcing, assortment, price, and location were suddenly commodities. Blockbuster was always trotted out as the original category killer poster child, but soon it had quite a bit of company. Circuit City filed for bankruptcy in 2008 and closed all of its stores. It tried to make a brief comeback as an online retailer, but gave up the ghost in 2012. And speaking of comebacks, Toys R Us filed for bankruptcy in 2017, closed all of its stores in 2018, but now it's in revival mode as part of WHP's portfolio. But in the meantime, Party City, David's Bridal, and Christmas Tree Shops have all declared bankruptcy recently. But here's the thing. These deaths by category killing haven't annihilated the categories. They've just proved that there isn't room for more than one mega player. Borders closed all its stores after declaring bankruptcy in 2011, 
but Barnes & Noble still lives on. Best Buy is still with us, even as Circuit City folded. Dick's Sporting Goods is on a roll, but Sports Authority bit the dust in 2016. Linens and Things closed all of its stores in 2008, and it got passed around until it was bought by a splashy brand marketing company called Retail E-Commerce Ventures. More on them in just a minute. Bed Bath & Beyond is still around, albeit on life support. But going back to Retail E-Commerce Ventures, this is one of a few brand marketing and licensing companies that saw opportunities as more brands did falter, and especially category killers. REV's portfolio is a real trip down category killer memory lane. It snatched up Pier 1, Dress Barn, Linens and Things, Steinmart, the Franklin Mint, Radio Shack, and Modell Sporting Goods. But the red flag started flying when it bought Tuesday Morning earlier this year. Tuesday Morning went Chapter 11 a month later. So now there are claims that REV is lighting money on fire and rumors of it going bankrupt and taking all those brands' second chances away with them. So does a pile of category killers packed into a portfolio add up to diversification? It just doesn't work that way. Collectively, all of this is a lot of category-killing carnage, folks, and it appears that no amount of repurposing or digitizing will lead to a great resurrection for most of those brands. Let's look at the three main causes of death that are cited in category-killer obituaries. Number one is the rise in e-commerce, and that's definitely true with Amazon causing most of the pain. Because when Amazon takes a shine to a category, you got to look out. Amazon will buy its way into any business without regard to profit. And if you're trying to kill in that category, good luck. Number two is shifts in consumer preferences. A big swing away from conspicuous consumption and growing expectations for radical convenience are conspiring against category killers. Inflation is dampening spending on the discretionary categories that category killers tend to specialize in. And it's getting harder for consumers to justify that extra trip to the shopping strip when they can just get more done at a multi-category retailer. And finally, number three, plain old competition. Grocers are selling home goods. General merchandise treasure hunts are in an aisle near you at a hard discounter. It's open season on the higher margin goods that category killers usually attack. But here's the big inconvenient truth. Category killers are out of step with retail's top growth engine, Diversification. Diversify or die is an urgent call to action these days and one of my top retail trajectories. Category killers inherently lack category diversification. Most have also been stuck when it comes to format diversification and online expansion. And all of the casualties we've talked about have all but ignored the biggest opportunity of all, business model diversification, and particularly the solutions and services. Walmart and Amazon are the epitome of retail diversification and the shift to solutions and services. Both platforms have grown and are continuing to expand their tentacles into healthcare, fulfillment, advertising, media, entertainment, and more. All of these businesses are synergistic, and increasingly, they put actual product sales in parentheses. Best Buy's been on a mission to expand its service portfolio well beyond its geek squad to include healthcare services and more. Best Buy knows that lack of diversification and relying too heavily on product sales are a problem. It has to fight its way out of the category-killing pit or get buried. Of course, one of the buzziest service and solution expansion opportunities on the rise is retail media. You've heard me talk a lot about it. I predicted it years ago, and I'm going to keep talking about it. In fact, I've got some great events coming up, so listen to the end to hear more about that. 
But here's another area where category killing limits the opportunity. It's hard to position as a viable advertising alternative when you have a narrow customer base, paltry online presence, and brands that everyone else has, especially when some of those brands are pushing their own direct-to-consumer initiatives. Going back to those opportunistic brand marketing companies that are buying these retailers, they're betting on brand recognition and brand equity carrying the day. But the problem with that is most of these dearly departed category killers were places that sold brands, not brands themselves, or at least not to the degree that they could drive licensing opportunities and support multi-category expansion that would fuel their diversification. When you cobble them together, they do offer category diversification, but cobbling them together in any kind of cohesive way is prohibitive. So I don't see the category killing carnage slowing down anytime soon. There just aren't that many left anyway. And the ones that remain are in near desperate pushes to diversify, or at least the smart ones are. Even digitally native category killers are diversifying into wholesale, and they're being a lot more cautious about opening branded stores. We're going to keep on tracking the action, including the threats that might await on the other side, as diversify or die drives retail forward. So thank you for listening in today. And speaking of retail media, I'm thrilled to be circling back with Teresa Aprile from Brand Crush. She's a true retail media guru, and we did a fantastic interview in March of last year. So much of what she laid out then has come to fruition. And since that time, her company was acquired by Critio, one of the leaders in the retail media space. We'll be talking again in my next episode, along with Critio's manager of Global Enterprise, in an episode that drops on June 13th. Two days later, on the 15th, I'm hosting a retail media panel for Rethink Retail, where I'll explore the evolution of in-store marketing with a panel of experts. So the retail media conversation will just go deeper and deeper. I'm also participating in several other events hosted by Retail Dive, Inside Fashion, and more. And I just wrapped up a cool virtual event with Tokonomo, where I shared some of my hottest retail trajectories that will impact store experience. You can keep track of all of it by following me on LinkedIn, subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, and visiting speakermanretail.com. I welcome your likes, comments, and shares, and so appreciate your engagement. I'll catch you in the next episode, my friend.